Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and we are here every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. on ACB Media One, and you can catch us right after that wherever you listen to your podcasts. I do have uh, some show announcements first, and that is that for the next three weeks, Sunday Edition will be, well, two of those three weeks, Sunday Edition will be on repeat, and the day after Christmas, faithful listener and community guru, uh, Melissa Hudson will be taking over Sunday edition with a celebration to all of our fabulous community calls, our hosts and facilitators, and I'm sure that's going to be a great show. I will be traveling for the holidays, um, so I will be back the first weekend in January, and I will be back with a great Sunday edition then. Um, I have been asked by the folks out there to remind you that there is a second week of Christmas Cafe going on over on ACB Media 4. So, of course, don't turn away from this show to go listen to it. But as soon as you're done here, go on over to ACB Media 4 and check out Jeff and Rick and a bunch of other folks who are nonstop with the Christmas music and some great stories and enjoying our holiday season. Uh, Byron, how's it going? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Any um any next generation news? Um uh, well, the uh, elections are um underway and uh we will soon have a new board. Um and also my term is just about to wrap up, but then my term with BPI will be beginning, so that's pretty exciting. Yes. Um, programs yeah. is hard at work at uh, trying to come up with new and exciting programs for you. Um, our program that we have every month, Saturday Night Live, uh, we do social uh, entertainment, entertainment um, events, and then we also do educational events uh, during the week. So uh, keep an eye out on Next Generation's um email list and Facebook group and website for more information about what, what that affiliate is up to. Awesome. 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 And if you did not listen to last week's Sunday edition, uh, it was all about traveling internationally, a little bit domestically, but mostly internationally with your guide dogs and all of the CDC regulations, as well as forms that you have to fill out, both from the USDA and the DOT transportation form. So if you haven't checked that out, please go to wherever you get your podcasts and type in ACB Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona and uh, check that out, as well as a lot of our past awesome shows. Um, I saw that Belinda Collins came in. Welcome to Sunday Edition, Belinda. Did you have any announcements that you wanted to shout out? No, I'm here uh, with Cheryl. 
All right, awesome. Well, then I'm just going to tell the folks, if you have a question for today's guests, either Cheryl and Ask an Expert, or in a little while, we'll be speaking to Andy and Alex of Accessible Pharmacy, you can find the announcement on the ACB conversation list, or you can go to the Facebook community group. I actually didn't put an announcement out for this week's show, but if you uh, look down the list for one of the other Sunday edition announcements, it's always the same Zoom information. So without further ado, good, good friends of the show, Cheryl Cummings, you're coming. You're bringing us a few announcements, and we're going to talk about your Ask an Expert program. Welcome back to Sunday Edition, Cheryl. Thank you. What a beautiful surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for inviting me, and I invited Belinda and Rhonda, who are the true um, AT experts, to join um, to talk about, you know, answer any questions or to talk, you know, share their experiences of what we've been doing so far. Um, awesome. And you brought us a special uh, multicultural affairs committee announcement as well. I did. We just chose right. full of announcements. <laughs> <laughs> You're chock full of it. All right. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, hey. Take it away. <laughs> um, so do you just want me to talk about Ask an AT Expert? Sure. All right. So um, when I'm not volunteering with the uh, ACB or the Bay State Council of the Blind, my sort of real life is I run a nonprofit called Our Space, Our Place. We're based in Boston. Um, we're terribly small. Um, and we do a few things. We do an after-school program for kids who are blind and low vision. And part of that includes a career exploration um, program. We, we've also done a few things with adults. Um, we've done um, some introduction to coding with a focus on like HTML, um, CSS, and JavaScript. And, um, you know, as we've sort of looked around in the sort of COVID period, we've been thinking about an orga our organization and wondering maybe what we should become over time is an organization that, you know, we don't do everything, but that provides some programming for folks who are blind or low vision sort of across the lifespan. So one of the things we started is this Ask an AT Expert. Um, and certainly it's open to kids, um, but it's, it's also open to adults. And our aim was to basically provide opportunities for people to come and to just truly ask a question. Because, um, I mean, I was realizing in my own life that there, you know, with the phones changing and your computer changing, there's sometimes you just like, you're just stuck. And can't find it on Google, you might have like reached out to a few friends, and you just need somebody who's knowledgeable and patient. <laughs> and, and you just have <laughs> one tiny little question. You don't need a training, you just have a little question. Um, and so as a result, we started this um, opportunity and Belinda and Rhonda are both certified assistive technology trainers. And I reached out to them and asked if they would be willing to, to help make this a reality. And they said, yes. Um, so we asked people to register so you can get the link 
to come and join us on Zoom. And we selected Zoom for the reason that everybody else uses Zoom, which is that you can access it in all different ways. Um, and so Mondays from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Belinda and Rhonda are online and you can come in and ask them a question. And then Wednesdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time, same thing. Um, so I'll, I'll invite Belinda, if you want to start, um, maybe to talk a little bit about our experience so far. And then Rhonda, you could share also um, your experience. And I should say, Rhonda is a board member for our space our place. So Belinda, do you want to talk? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you, Anthony, for the opportunity to uh, be here on your show. And um, also, Cheryl, thank you for um, the invitation as well and for the opportunity to um, just partner up and do this. Uh, ask an expert. <laughs> I hesitate to say expert because I certainly don't feel like one sometimes. Uh, but um, so my experience so far uh, with the program is we've had a number of folks come in that it's, you, it's like a hodgepodge of things. You never know what you're going to get any on any given day, um, what questions may come up. And sometimes we may not have the answer uh, right away, but we know how to research things pretty quickly and get an answer to folks. And there have been times where we've had to reach out to folks afterwards, uh, you know, just to follow up. But uh, for the most part, we answer just any typical assistive technology related questions. Um, my experience so far has been that a lot of people are really, the, the most common popular questions are of course about iOS or you know how to do something with your iPhone or um, your just your Apple devices. That seems to be the most popular thing. Of course, we also um, talk about Windows, uh, Microsoft Office, Braille displays, anything assistive technology related. You name it, we uh, we pretty much can uh, try to help get an answer, or we already know the answer. So. Um, it's been, for me, it's, it's a challenge. And I mean that in a good way. It's uh, very, I like challenges. I never know what to expect. So, you know, it's always interesting to see what people are gonna come up with, what questions they have. So that's been my experience so far. I started back in uh, September and uh, I've really enjoyed it. So, and once again, I wanna thank Cheryl for just a wonderful opportunity. Well, thank you so much. And Belinda, and we want to thank you for doing Ask an Expert and working with Our Space, Our Place, and for all the wonderful things that you do for our community. I, we see your name on the list all over the place, and <laughs> we love it, love it, love it. And I see from Facebook that you did some traveling, too. Did you have a good time? I did. I did. We are still here in Orlando, um, just enjoying it and getting to meet some folks from the community. It, it's been just awesome. And say hello to everybody from Sunday Edition and from me. Rhonda, welcome to Sunday Edition. I believe this is the first time we've ever spoken. So glad to hear you here. 
Good afternoon, Anthony, and thank you. Yes, this is the first time we've spoken, but I've heard you on other uh, calls, so thank you. Uh, again, thank you to Belinda and Cheryl for the opportunity to be a part of AT, Ask an AT Expert. Um, and I like the way that Belinda titles it as a kind of open hour, open hours place where you can drop in to ask questions uh, about any assistive technology. And it, we also provide a sense of support to build the confidence. Oftentimes people will come in with a question and will demonstrate or walk them through how to accomplish a task and they can feel much more confident about their use of technology. We've also given some resources to people who are experiencing a difficult time related to adjustment to vision loss and how that impacts their use of assistive technology. So I, I find that our program offers a variety to the individuals who make contact with us. Well, I would love to give you guys a heads up. I am going to pop into the Ask an Expert uh, space sometime this either Monday or Wednesday this week, because I'd love to know if anyone out there has tips for if you're not a Braille reader. Folks out there who listen to Sunday Edition often know that I'm, I'm about five and a half years into my blindness, and I've learned uh, enough Braille to get elevator numbers down, A through J, one through 10, one through zero. Um, so I would love to pop in and find out if folks have some tips on how to read things well, you know, how to adjust your technology so that you can get a good speed and a good space to be able to read stuff, especially for this show. When I have to read announcements or things that are long, I get all kinds of flustered and tongue tied. And I usually ask someone else to come in, come on and read anything long for me. But um, I digress. I'm going to open it to questions for a few minutes, Byron, right after I ask Cheryl and Rhonda. Uh, to give the folks out there uh, the, addre the address for the website and um, if they'd like to donate to our place, our space, how they could do that as well. Cheryl? Oh, yes. So the website is, is easy peasy. It is ourspaceourplace.org. Um, and an easy way to remember, because I know everybody gets the place and space Oh, I guys just did. Um, it's just, if you always, I mean, if you, somebody told me, think salt and pepper, the S before the P. So it's, it's ourspaceourplace.org. And um, we would love folks to donate, uh, always helps. And um, I, we will put up the registration link to the Ask an AT expert. So, and I, I gotta say, Rhonda and Belinda are being so modest um, over these few months. I mean, we, they, they're, they're correct. Like, we don't know who's gonna show up and what question we're going to get, but I, I'm always just blown away by the way both of them are so knowledgeable about assistive technology. Um, and, and as Belinda and Rhonda both said, um, you know, they, if, if we don't know the answer, I've seen them like talk it through. Uh, I, I've seen them, you know, take people's information and follow, follow up with them later on. Um, 
And and I think it's it's so crucial that you know for for people who stop by that Rhonda and Belinda are not. I mean, in as much as their expertise um, is is useful, the fact that they themselves have used all the equipment and have, and and I think is is really valuable. Absolutely, and um, we spoke uh, here on Sunday edition back in June about our space, our place. So, if folks want to, if folks want to hear a little bit more about the programming that is offered for. Uh, after school, the after school events and, and some descriptive dance and some sports stuff, uh, homework, help, all the different things. Please go back and check out that episode or um, check out the website. I'm going to uh, ask Byron if there are any hands up for questions. I am not seeing any at the moment. So I'm going to give it another moment to see if any hands pop up. Cheryl, do you want to um, tell us what's going on with the MCAC in the meantime? Sure. So the um, Multicultural Affairs Committee um, is working on, we, we've been given the opportunity to create articles for the April Braille Forum. And I know that seems a little far away, but the deadline is like right around the corner. Um, so we came up with a theme and we are inviting um, ACB members to submit articles so the article itself just has to be between 300 and 500 words. And the theme we're looking on is we're looking at culture. So we're asking you to write an article about sort of culture within your family and your culture within larger society. And then how has that impacted how you live your life as a, as a blind person? Very um, nice. And I know, Anthony, you submitted one. So it's thank you so much for doing that, talking about sort of uh, being part of an Italian uh, family and how the sort of beliefs and um, and, and ideas of, of the family, how, how that has helped you as you've, you know, gone through your uh, journey uh, into blindness. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that was pretty I, awesome. I am definitely looking forward. I love the the Braille Forum, but I am definitely looking forward to uh, April for that. Byron, let's do one last hand check. All right, let's see. We do have one hand, <clears throat> and this is uh, Jane. Jane, go ahead and uh, unmute and ask your question. Okay, can you hear me now? Yep, we can. Okay, I love my computer but I am feeling stuck about all the other possibilities for where things are. I don't know the difference in all honesty between a podcast and a this or a that and how you find all these things. And so I'm wondering where the best source outside of here is because I think maybe it'll take too much time, but I would like to know some where to go to get some answers and how to put them on my computer. Oh, I'm gonna jump in real quick and say Monday and Wednesday afternoons is a great place to start. And okay. you can always go to acbmedia.org for anything. All of the podcasts, uh, Tuesday Topics, Sunday Edition, Visibilities, all of the different convention programs, anything ACB related is under acbmedia.org. 
Um, and then you can also click on the streams and listen live right through your computer. Um, but I'm going to ask Belinda as an expert, if you can throw out one tip for Jane and then welcome her to either Monday or Wednesday afternoon. Yes. Way so, to put her on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, so one resource that I've found, um, and I know this is just kind of a standard answer, but I don't know if you are comfortable using YouTube at all, but one place I have found on YouTube, there are several uh, resources out there on YouTube that will help you to, um, it depends on what you want to know about your computer, uh, certain things. So if you type in specific uh, words, then yes, it will bring up, uh, and I always try to add in blind or visually impaired in the search, that way you're getting um, specifically geared, response, yeah. yes, for the visually yeah. impaired. So um, that is my one tip. And then obviously, come to um, our space, our place, our ask, ask an expert on Mondays and Wednesdays, on Monday from three to five Eastern or one to three Eastern on Wednesday. And uh, we will definitely do our best to answer any questions you have. Okay. And Jane, I will forward you the link that they post in case you don't get it and make sure Thank that you, you have it. Is, um, Cheryl, is it the same link for both Mondays and Wednesdays? Yes. Yeah. All right. So awesome. Once, yeah. So once you register, you'll get the, the information and then you can just use that whenever you want to come in. So a Monday or a Wednesday. So when you say once you registered, what do you mean by that? So when you get the link, you'll click on the link and it'll take oh. you to a form. Okay. It asks for your name, your okay. email address, and then okay. you just, and then it, there's a button that says register, boom. And then it, you'll get an info, uh, uh, an email with the uh, information. Because since this announcement, you know, we're just trying to protect against uh, not good people uh -huh. um, trying to abuse our system. So that's why we're not putting the link out like itself. All right. Absolutely. And let me knock on wood because we've never had a Zoom bomber um, on <laughs> on Sunday edition. Thank God we had one on Pride Connection and it was um, fun, if I could call it that. All right, Cheryl, Belinda, Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us today on Sunday edition. Like I said, I will forward that uh, link to Jane, but um, we'll also try to put it up in our show notes. Cheryl, if you could just email it to Byron. Um, so we can throw it in the show notes as well. The the link for um, our space, our our space, our place, the website. Um, <laughs> and I encourage folks if you have a couple of extra um, coins this holiday season, please go to uh, their page and donate a little bit. Their programs are incredible, and they're helping out youth in Boston. And while we're all virtual, youth across the country. So you you guys are doing fabulous work. Thank you so much for coming to Sunday Edition. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to transition right into my next conversation, and I am going to ask Andy and Alex to unmute themselves. And um, when you say hello, let the folks uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourselves first. Let's start with Andy. All right. Well, good morning, Anthony, and good morning, everyone else. Oh, good afternoon. I'm, I'm, I slept a little late today. So it feels um, like morning for me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that being said, thank you so much for uh, including me, including us. 
my name is Andy Burstein. Um, I'm here with my friend and my business partner, my partner in crime, uh, Dr. Alex Cohen. I'll let him talk about himself, but I'm here in West Philadelphia. Um, for those of you familiar with Philadelphia, I'm basically on the uh, University of Pennsylvania's campus. And uh, I am with Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind. So Alex, I'm gonna pass the mic to you. Um, so you can give uh, your introduction and, and you know, kick us off. All right, well, uh, again, my name is Alex Cohen. Uh, I am a proud co-founder of Accessible Pharmacy Services and I'm uh, delighted uh, to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Anthony, and uh, hello to everybody out there. Um, it's wonderful to be with you. So I uh, too am in Philadelphia where yes, it is always sunny. And um, <laughs> before, uh, before creating accessible pharmacy services, um, it's just important to know uh, just a few things uh, about me just as an introduction. Uh, I am blind. I was uh, diagnosed with uh, retinitis pigmentosa in my uh, late teens and had been, uh, my vision had been uh, deteriorating really since that time. Um, and it, uh, this, uh, this loss of vision um, really was uh, what created the impetus uh, for uh, some career changes that, that I had had uh, that led to me becoming uh, or pursuing my doctorate, my PhD, in marketing from the uh, wonderful uh, Drexel University's uh, LeBeau College of Business um, and becoming a marketing professor and doing research uh, about how to create a more inclusive marketplace, both online and offline for the blind and low vision community. Um, and it was in doing that research that uh, Andy and I first came together. Andy had been working in um, uh, accessibility uh, in terms of assistive technology and how to make uh, websites more accessible. And uh, that's precisely what I was uh, doing a great deal of my research on at the time. So uh, we came together and, and really uh, started digging into you know, the experience of the, the marketplace experience of the blind and low vision uh, customer. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's how we came together and, and initially thought. Now, I'm gonna go a, a bit deeper into how uh, this all came to be, because uh, it really is a, a pretty cool story. But before that, just a simple introduction of myself. Uh, so I do live downtown Philadelphia. Uh, I'm married, I have two uh, children. My uh, eldest just turned 16. Uh, so nobody is safe on the uh, roads or the sidewalks, at least for a little <laughs> while around downtown Philadelphia. Now it's um, it's going to be great. We're I think my wife is really excited to have another uh, driver in the house because so much uh, gets put on her. And and although I do have a valid Pennsylvania driver's license, uh, I you know I don't drive. I, I don't do that. <laughs> um, and and so, but I, I just think it's kind of funny that the. Uh, the uh, spinal cord doesn't uh, touch the brain of the state agencies, and somehow I have a, a valid driver's license. I, I'm I'm internally laughing at that. I still <laughs> have my driver's license. I think it just expired this past September, um, but that is something I'm not willing to give up yet. <laughs> um, as folks know that listen to the show regularly, 
I don't feature products or companies or um, services on Sunday edition unless they are fully immersed in not only, you know, providing to our community, but also helping to elevate our community in some way, especially in the ways of employment. You know, we take from the audio description world, nothing about us without us. Um, and, and I kind of apply that to anything that I feature on Sunday edition. And I really love the story of accessible pharmacy. So I'm going to let you guys do your um, back and forth kind of show that you do about, you know, how everything started. And, and I'm going to let the folks out there enjoy hearing how accessible pharmacy came to be. Uh, right. Take it away. <laughs> Andy, do you, want, do you want to let me cook first? Oh, full steam ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, I, uh, as I, as I said, before I started, uh, before, before we came together to start um, Accessible Pharmacy Services, um, I was, uh, or, or still am, a uh, marketing professor. So I do a lot of, uh, well, uh, speaking engagements is part of what I do, and, and, and lecturing and talking about marketing and talking about business. And by the way, uh, I'm not sure about the, uh, the listenership of the, the radio program, how many uh, high school uh, age students uh, you might have uh, who, who uh, you know, listen to the show, Anthony, but I would really strongly encourage you to look into some business disciplines because I, I believe that the blind and low vision community is uh, um, uh, sorely left out of, uh, you know, what's happening in the business community. And part of that might be uh, a lack of uh, interest or a lack of students who are in the, um, you know, who are pursuing business disciplines in higher education. But um, so in, in terms of getting into accessible pharmacy services, um, a key area of, of marketing and understanding just general business um, is understanding the, the entire consumer decision-making process that is a lot of, you know, there, there are a few steps, but they're, they're simple steps. First and foremost in this process is need recognition, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna draw all of this to accessibility um, and accessible accommodations and inclusion. So the first step in the process is need recognition, you know? Um, people are full of pain. They're full of needs. I need a sweater because I'm cold. I need a razor because my face is, you know, shaggy. Um, I need a, I need a haircut. I need, um, uh, you know, a, a pet for companionship. I need food. Um, I have a headache. I need pain relief. I need transportation. Uh, I am in pain. I need somebody to alleviate these pains. And this is what the marketplace provides is products and services to alleviate these needs. So once somebody, uh, come, uh, customer comes into, you know, the realization that I'm in pain, right? I have this need. Um, then they start to search for ways to alleviate these, this pain or, or remedy, you know, remedy these needs. And so it's information search. Okay, I recognize that I need this. Um, how do I find it? Who offers it? Where can I go to find this, you know, this product, this, this good or this, this service? And oftentimes now um, we go to a search engine, go to good old, good old Google, right? Um, 
And then, well, Google gives us thousands and thousands of different options. And so then, you know, after the initial information search, we search for alternatives, which means we, we lower our, uh, you know, we, we bring it down to maybe four or five different options for us to choose. Uh, choose from just to make it a little easier and a little less overwhelming. And then we actually make the decision. And then by they're making the decision, we either visit that particular you know, store online or you know, go to the physical store itself. Um, we shop for what we're looking for. Uh, we purchase, you know, actually go through the transaction. And then we consume the product, uh, dispose of what we didn't use, um, you know, and then go through the entire process again. Now, where accessibility in the existing retail environment falls short is that businesses are not looking at accessibility for each one of these stages. Um, and that's where a major shortcoming lies in terms of inclusion versus exclusion. Um, and where accessibility then becomes an afterthought. Um, and so with my research, um, what I realized is that a website is commonly the window to somebody's business. It's, you know, somebody will more likely than not now um, visit a website for a particular business, a, a retailer, prior to going in and, and visiting the physical store. And so um, if that website is somehow not accessible, then the entire experience is off to a bad start. Um, there's, uh, and, and so I started evaluating um, the top 150 largest uh, retailers in the United States over a five-year period to see how accessible or inaccessible uh, their websites were. And most of them were terribly inaccessible, um, including pharmacies and whether those pharmacies existed uh, as standalone pharmacies or uh, in, in grocery chains or other big box retailers. Uh, the websites were extremely difficult to navigate. And okay, so in terms of information search and search for alternatives, we're, we're off to a bad start. It's very, very difficult for uh, the blind and low vision community who commonly use screen readers, but for any uh, person with any type of disability that might prohibit them from using a mouse. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it, it goes, you know, far beyond just our, our community of, of blind and low vision um, individuals. And so, so the website is first and foremost, you know, how people get their information, how they, they learn what's available to them, their different options. And um, so without that in place, um, it, it makes the, the entire process quite difficult. But um, you do have organizations, uh, different companies that do offer some types of accommodations, which are great, you know, uh, as, as a blind person myself. Um, well, as a blind person, but as a researcher, what I realize is I have things in the marketplace that make me upset. 
<laughs> you know, it's not accessible. And frankly, I get, I get pissed off and I get frustrated by it and I jump up and down and I scream. And then, you know, my, my wife or my kids calm me down a little bit and, and you know, whatever, and we're, we're, we're back to where we are. But I also realized that my experiences are my own. Um, I have uh, a lot of, you know, um, the, the blind community, the blind and low vision community, um, you know, sharing blindness and sharing low vision and sharing need for accessibility and accommodations, uh, of course, is a very important commonality, but it does, um, uh, we're, we're so different in so many ways. We have uh, different levels of support at home. We came to our, our, our blindness in, in different ways at different times of our lives. Um, we have uh, different skills, education, income levels, uh, levels of uh, technological agility and, and you know, tech savvy. Um, and, and then even our tech itself is different. Some of us use screen readers, some of us use Apple products, some of us use NVDA versus JAWS, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we're not, that's a great point where, you know, all of us are coming at it from different perspectives, but needing the same results. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there, there is this commonality, but um, you know, when it came to pharmacy and prescriptions, something that would make me really upset is I would not be able to uh, refill a prescription. It was just bananas trying to type in, you know, some twenty-five-digit code mm. <laughs> into, into a, a phone, uh, but. Um, you know, I was very lucky in that uh, my wife of uh, 17 years now um, uh, was a, uh, is, you know, still a nurse, but was a um, neonatal intensive care nursery, so taking care of the preemie babies. So she, you know, really took over those responsibilities in our house. You know, uh, I'm, I'm all for the... Um, I'm all for independence and doing whatever it takes to, you know, uh, be independent, be self-sufficient. But I also uh, practice uh, a lot of um, selective dependence, which is asking for help. You know, mm -hmm. rather than having something take me an hour and a half to do, uh, I'd rather ask for help and get out of it in ten minutes. Yeah. You know, in in some ways, just because my time has become you know, my time has become really valuable. The time that I have to do things that, you know, give me joy or, or spend time with my uh, children or, or my wife, I'd rather do that than, you know, like I'm really independent, <laughs> but I don't have time to do anything else other than be independent. Um, so asking, you know, I, I, I ask for, for, for help when I, when I can. So, but just getting back really quickly to, um, the overall accessibility in, in the process is like, okay, so the online environment is not accessible and that's a bummer. Um, and yes, uh, you know, there are all sorts of screen readers that are, that are continuing, uh, continuously improving, which is wonderful, but it's, we know that if a website isn't meant to be, you know, designed to be accessible, it's gonna be hard to navigate. But that's not all there is to it. If we were just looking at online and you know online accessibility, we'd be doing a disservice to the community. And so, 
what I realize is, you know, my experience is my own, but if you're going to have a business, if you're going to serve the public, if you're going to claim to be accessible and inclusive, then you have to hear from those individuals of which you'd like to serve. And so, you know, we had, uh, you know, hundreds of, of interviews and different surveys all about the marketplace experiences of the blind and low vision community um, and learned about, you know, the barriers, the challenges that people have. Um, and further, furthermore, so that was just, you know, in terms of general business practices, uh, you know, for the research that, I, that I've conducted as a professor. Um, and so with, uh, with Andy, when, when Andy and I uh, first uh, became friends and, and um, you know, I learned about what he was doing in the space, he asked me about my research. And um, you know, we pointed out like, hey, this, this pharmacy thing is really a big deal. And it seems like this is really important. And healthcare is one of those things that, you know, people shouldn't screw around with. This should be this should be accessible. Um, you know, and I know about you know my my own problems managing my own medications. Um, and so we really started to take a much deeper dive into what pharmacies need to do to be accessible. Like, okay, the website is one thing, but you go into a pharmacy, actually do some field research and you go and you ask the pharmacist, uh, so what uh, types of accommodations, what do, you do, what do you do for blind people, for people who can't read labels? And like, you say, well, some of them said, we don't do anything at all. And you know, that's terrible, but that is an answer and you have your answer. Uh, the second thing is uh, maybe we can print out uh, the label uh, larger, uh, would that help you? Um, and maybe in certain low vision situations, it might. Uh, and the third, you know, final best possible answer that somebody would give is that I think that we have something around here somewhere that might read labels to people. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but, um, you know, if you give me a while, I can, I can, I can try and look it up and, and see what that's all about for you. And, you know, like, okay, so, that's not great. We're not, we're not off to a great start here in terms of how pharmacies are caring for their, their blind and vision patients. Um, and so then uh, Andy and I, after you know, much deliberation, um, how, you know, how, can we, how could we do this? How could we actually make this, this happen? And we realized that if we're going to start a pharmacy, um, Andy is not a pharmacist. I am not a pharmacist. Uh, before becoming a marketing professor, I was a hotel general manager in Philadelphia. And then as my vision just deteriorated, uh, I really sought a, uh, a career change and, and went back to school and, and you know, uh, pursued that, that new goal, that, that new dream. And um, what we realized is we needed to find somebody who um, understood about accessibility and, and special needs and um, you know, how we could come together and bring you know, the, talented, the talents of, of somebody with a, a very high clinical expertise, high clinic, you know, um, 
a, a real professional clinical footprint, uh, but also who could understand accessibility and might have been on their way, um, but just you know didn't necessarily pursue the um, the blind and low vision or, or people with disabilities as uh, you know as a as a real true potential market segment uh, worthy of, of pursuit. And that's where we found uh, our, our new dear friend, our uh, chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Jason Barrett. So Andy, why don't you tell them a little bit about uh, Jason? Oh, absolutely. Well, that, was, that was a great explanation, Alex, everything you just said. I'm glad this is being recorded because I, uh, I, I want to quote you. Um, yeah, so our, our, our third business partner, Dr. Jason Barrett. So uh, Alex and I spent a great deal of time meeting with different healthcare groups and pharmacy groups and pharmacists, you know, so that we could take our business plan and, and give it some legs and actually take the market, you know, take it to market. Um, we ended up meeting up with Jason and there were a few things we liked about Jason and what ultimately led us to, uh, you know, joining forces with him. Uh, one, he was local, relatively local. Uh, he was based in suburban Philadelphia, about 40 minutes outside of the city. Um, Two, we hit it off with him, like socially. We were, we, you know, Alex and I found that we were compatible with him. We were able to speak freely with him. Um, we liked him. But most importantly, Jason spent, uh, so Jason has his doctorate in pharmacy. He spent the first 30 years of his career focusing on the concept of personalized medication for people with like intellectual disabilities and cognitive disabilities. You know, sometimes these people lived independently. Sometimes they lived in group homes, such as uh, um, assisted living facilities, old age homes, group homes for people with intellectual disabilities. And his entire model and methodology for helping people live healthier outcomes was based upon you know, really understanding the individual patient. What were their specific needs? What were their specific challenges? What was their support group like? Um, and basically building a medication management, diabetes management, plan for that individual. Um, it was very unlike the traditional pharmacy experience where, you know, I'll, I'll oversimplify it. You know, an individual, you know, takes their prescription and their credit card and their insurance card and they walk into the pharmacy and they go to the pharmacist counter, they hand the pharmacist their information, the pharmacist hands them their medication and they leave. Um, and that works and that works really well for some of the big pharmacy chains and, and they do it really well. And that's why they're worth billions of dollars. But for an individual yeah. that has, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I agree with you. And you know, I'm, as you were saying that, I was thinking back to my very, very early childhood where my grandmother you know, still had a personal pharmacist. It was part of you know, the weekly routine. Mm -hmm. you know, when she went to buy bread, she stopped in the pharmacy and that pharmacist was, you know, her subject matter expert. What do I do for my kid's rash? What do I do for this? What do I do for that beyond buying the prescription? And that's what's, that's what's left out of the chain pharmacies. But I'm interrupting. You go on and continue. No, no, no. That, that was a perfect like, like addition to what I was saying. You're right. When, when I, I'm 52 now. When I was a kid, I, similarly, we used to go to a local, for lack of a better term, mom and pop pharmacy. And mm -hmm. I remember my mother had a relationship with the pharmacist. And you know, I, I remember like he, you know, he used to say hi to me. I would say hi back to him. I would browse the comic books. Um, and uh, but you're right at the big chains right now. And this is like I said, this is no disrespect to the big chains. They're they're great companies. Um, 
you know, there's a new pharmacist behind the counter every week. And that personal connection just doesn't exist. And so, you know, when coming back to, to Jason, you know, when Alex and I met with Jason, we we're like, he's our guy. You know, Jason was like, you know, I understand the, the, the challenges, at least conceptually, that people who are blind or have low vision can face. And similar to how Jason breaks down the needs of an individual with a cognitive or an intellectual disability, you know, we need to break down the needs of a blind or low vision individual. You know, what is this person's level of eyesight? How do they come to their blindness? Um, who else is in the home with them? Or is there a caregiver taking care of them? Or are they a caregiver taking care of children, a, a spouse, a partner, a parent, a friend? Um, yep. You know, can they read Braille? If so, what's their level of Braille proficiency? Um, are they comfortable with technology? Do they already use apps that maybe we can leverage? You know, we're very agnostic to solutions. Our whole thing is like, let's try to figure out what works best for the patient and let's either develop that solution ourselves, partner with an existing company out there that may have a solution that works really well. Uh, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, it's all about helping that individual gain independence, manage their medication, manage their diabetes and, and live healthier. And do it in a way that's efficient for the for the patient, so they don't feel burdened by us. Efficient for us, so that we can work with them and provide good solutions. And um, it's great, you know. Version 1.0 of our business was almost entirely built on Alex's research. Um, you know, we started our business before, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic. But right before the pandemic, we held some focus groups. We got some great feedback from a lot of nonprofit organizations, uh, big organizations, local organizations. Um, and that was version 1.0 of our business. So right now we're, in, we're like smack in the middle of version 2.0. And what's great about 2.0 is it's a, it's a dynamic model. It's uh, whereas we learned initially, as I mentioned from Alex's research, right now we're learning from our patients. You know, every time we interact with a patient and learn how to help that patient live healthier and manage their medication better, we then start to accumulate knowledge that we can plug into other patient needs. Um, and so, you know, we, this, this ecosystem that we have and that we, where we encourage our patients to let us know what they like about us, what they don't like about us. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. The second you really open up the floor to say, listen, we want to know what you like about us, what you don't like about us, what other things we could be doing to be more accessible, what other solutions we should be providing. It's amazing um, how people speak up. Um, yeah. it, 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 you know, and people are like, oh my gosh, I, I've waited for years for someone to tell me. Let me tell you, I had an interaction last week. It wasn't that great. I had an interaction two weeks ago that blew me, blew me away. So let's talk about that. And what's great is that each of these interactions are helping us get more mature as a company, more supportive yeah. as a company and helping us grow. You said something a couple of a couple of minutes ago that really I, I need to highlight. I think is really really important, and part of the reason why you're on you're on Sunday edition as we speak. I, I like the fact that you're not playing. You know, the company is not playing the snatch and grab game. You know, if if you if accessible pharmacy can add to a person's you know system, whatever it is that's that that they are currently managing, great. But if they can't, or if what's working for them, you know, if there's only a piece of a service, 
great, let's work with that. And and that really mm-hmm. impressed me. Rather than saying, okay, we have this instead of what you're doing. Okay, that works well for you, great. What else do you need? All right, let's look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, these, you know, customarily these types of services want to snatch and grab and take all of what you have going on, all of your business. Um, you know, and when when you're willing to, open up to your consumer base and say, you know, if that's working for you, great. Here's a couple of other options. It's such a more comfortable experience as well. And, and I really, you know, you, you went over that, but I wanted to go back and highlight that because I think that's a really important part of your customer service model. Well, Anthony, one thing that, you know, we are huge proponents on uh, is education and education in healthcare, helping people understand their medications, understand um, interactions of medications and vitamins and supplements and, and, and diet and, and you know everything that goes into that their medication management mm-hmm. regime. Um, and one thing that you know I've experienced from being part of the community for very you know for a long time and, and I am guilty of it myself is that I believe that, Inertia, marketplace inertia takes place in the uh-huh. blind and low vision community uh, much more stringently than, than possibly some other communities. I'll yes. give you an example. I walk on the same side of the street every day to get to where I'm going. Um, and the only time that I uh, deviate from my route is if there's somehow construction or the sidewalk is closed. And then I avoid that side of the sidewalk for the rest of my life because I think it's closed. Um, you know, or you go to places that you feel comfortable. Um, and they might not always be the best places or the most accessible or, you know, what have you, but you end up going there because you know where it is, you feel more comfortable, you know where things are a bit. And so for us being a, um, you know, uh, newer in, in, in the marketplace, trying to help the blind and low vision um, community understand that, hey, you know, yes, this other pharmacy might have um, might have an app that reads labels, which is great. You know, do they do they do anything else, or is it just that? You know, do they offer uh, Braille, um, different different types of, of Braille or large print? Uh, do they have lots of different, you know, packaging or, or medication, you know, organization uh, methods? Do the people on the other end of the phone understand what a blind and low vision patient might be going through? So, you know, for example, you talk to some people on the phone and they're like, okay, uh, well, this is how you use this. You, uh, you go over to the right and you twist the red button to the left. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't have any idea what you're telling me right now. This is not helpful. Um, You know, or also do they, do they help benefit the community? Um, You know, uh, I'm not just, you know, here to say differences between what exists out there and, and what we do, but I think, you know, 
um, being blind myself and, and Andy being a, a, a long-term, uh, long-time ally uh, of the community, um, you know, our sales force, our, you know, uh, business development department is, uh, you know, primarily made of, of blind and, and low vision uh, salespeople, including, you know, we, we have blind and, and, and sighted people who work in our customer care you know, we we want to um, develop opportunities uh, for for people in our community for for jobs and and education to get more involved uh, in business and in healthcare. Um, you know, we we are very <clears throat> proud of our college internship uh, program for blind and low vision college students. You know, it's you know, are you part of the community? Are you trying to make it better, or do you just have an app that can read labels and that's it. Yeah, in the promo for the show, I, I um, termed it a concierge service. I don't know if you guys actually term it that way for yourselves, but I, I felt like you know going through some of the process to to so that I'd have some knowledge. I, I do my research every week. Um, you know, I felt like it was a very holistic approach. You know, what else, you know, what else are your, you know, what are your other needs? How does your, you know, how does your regimen fit in with your daily life, et cetera, et cetera? What, you know, what other mobility aids, you know, the conversation was vast and expansive. Um, and you're not going to get that wait, waiting online at a CVS. And like you said, there's, you know, the, the big box pharmacies of, of our world are amazing at times. Um, but, you know, especially during the pandemic for me, they became um, too cumbersome to to want to think about. Uh, I was presented with an option for something called the blister pack. I'm sure you guys know exactly what that is. Most of our listeners probably do. Um, early on in the pandemic, and I was like, oh, yes, thank you. You know, because you don't even always get the same size bottles, the same, you know, and if you have two medications that basically are the same size and shape, you know, you need to make sure that you got what you, you know, you're getting what you're supposed to be getting. So here comes blister pack to me. That was like the most revolutionary thing. You know, that was fire to a caveman. It was like, wow, okay. I don't have to, I don't have to check these. I don't have to use a visual interpreter or ask somebody cited to make sure that this is the right pill. Um, and I'm, I'm digressing as I'm known to do, or my listeners know I can go off on tangent after tangent, but I loved the whole holistic, you know, full life experience approach. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Actually, Anthony, just just one moment, because I, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, you, you think about the blister pack. That hasn't been around for that long. And it's an ingenious invention. And we, we, we absolutely offer those and they have, you know, different, you know. Um, but when you were talking about independence earlier versus, mm -hmm. you know, how much you have to do and, and where, I thought to myself immediately three things. Pick your battles, blister pack, and oh my God, the blister pack gave me, you know, eight hours every, every week of less stress. If I really thought about it, you know, how much time in the morning, how much time in the evening, et cetera, et cetera. And that was, I feel like the blister pack does take a certain amount of the independence away. You have to, you have to have that one piece of, of faith and trust that the pharmacist didn't screw things up. And as far as I know, I've never heard of anyone that did, thank God. But you know, you don't have that that personal. I'm opening each bottle. I'm making sure this is the medication. You're popping the pack and doing it. But those were the three things I thought of. And the most, the biggest piece for me was the independence piece of it. That I don't have to stress over this every week. Mm -hmm. It's funny the blister pack thing though. It's just it's just funny. It's as well as the pill separators. 
Now, obviously, you know, we have very sophisticated uh, machinery in our pharmacy that sorts sorts the pills and, and, and packages them out in, in, in whatever type of, of packaging, you know, best works for, for the specific client. But it's just funny how, you know, how new this technology is, but how long this problem is, I, you know, but hey, look, look back in history. I mean, we've only had wheels on luggage or wheels on, um, you know, trash cans for 30 years. Great point. <laughs> yeah. Yep um like the, the wheel's been around for a long time like nobody thought to put the things together i you know whatever but there there's there's an idea of looking at these this type of packaging and getting back to the pandemic right we so we do free home delivery it's not a minimum purchase right it's not like purchase forty dollars and get free home delivery or what it's it's not like that right we do we we, we offer free home delivery and um we do it in a consistent way that uh, the patient can expect that they will receive their medications, you know, around the same time period each month, right? Um, and we do when we sort the medications. Now uh, we can we can add over-the-counter vitamins and supplements and things like that to go along with, with the uh, prescription regimen, um, you know, whatever the whatever works best for that individual patient, but. It's, it's not just about independence, Anthony, it's about time, right? Mm -hmm. Sorting pills sucks. Yep. It's, it's not very much fun. Um, also, you know what's not fun? Go into the pharmacy, um, <laughs> especially during COVID. You know, I, I don't know about the rest of you. I'm not really very good at social distancing. Um, and uh, there are tons of things that I would rather do than take public transportation or septa paratransit or anything like that to a pharmacy. I'd rather have it delivered to my home, prepackaged, pre-sorted, not have it cost me anymore, um, and have more time to do things that bring me joy. You know, like I, I mentioned at the, the top of the program, I have a 16-year-old. He's going to be off to uh, college soon, and, and I have every uh, vision of the future that he's going to want to get as far away from my wife as I uh, and I as possible. Uh, get married someplace far from us, have our grandkids across the country, and I'll see them once a year, and that'll be the end of it. So I'd rather have time now. I'm sorry, that was a lot to drop on you. <laughs> but you we'll know, talk about this offline, Alex. And now that I feel, <laughs> yeah, hear I'm your sorry, anxiety I, coming through. I, I'm very happily in therapy. Um, anyway, the idea of doing things that bring you joy as opposed to spending additional time doing things that you don't really want to do when there's always there's a better option out there that can help you. Like, hey, I want to I want to go in that direction. I want to take a closer look at that. You know, in my business, they they there's something called burying the lead. Um, and there's a sentence in that in that whole paragraph that is the lead being completely buried. Um, no extra cost. We're definitely going to need to talk about that. And I want to just remind the folks that not too long from now, we're going to start taking questions. So if you are listening and you would like to join us for the question, hit up the Facebook community page or any of the ACB email lists and click on the Sunday edition Zoom. It's the same Zoom every Sunday. So if you have it in your email box from last week and you don't want to go searching, just click on that when you can join us. But um, <laughs> let's unbury that lead. No extra cost is also really, really, really important in our community.
Alex? Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, well, so there, there's a few things that we understand at, at accessible pharmacy services. And it's not just a matter of research. It's a matter of being in the community, uh, caring about the community and, and, and talking with people. We understand that I think what is, is the unemployment rate and the blindness in, 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 in low vision community still hovering somewhere between 70 and 75%. That's what the experts I tell us, yes. I, I, I believe it is. So we know that you know, finances are a factor as well, but we also know that a large part of our community um, uh, have lost uh, sight due to age-related eye diseases and, and our seniors and are, are on uh, fixed incomes or you know, are, are really solely depending on, on Medicare and Medicaid uh, situations to, to help them with their health care. And so we are incredibly adept at working with uh, Medicare and Medicaid uh, to, to help people. Um, we do accept all insurances. Now, co-pays are determined by the insurance company. It is not determined by the pharmacy. And so um, what we have found is in the vast majority of cases, uh, people's co-pays um, and, and costs for being uh, with accessible pharmacy would not increase. Um, but we wouldn't really know that until somebody calls because there are, there are, you know, frankly, there are thousands of different insurance programs out there and, mm -hmm. and we just don't know. We just don't know until we can, we can look at it. And it's not really anything that we can put on our website or anything for information searches because it's such a, you know, a vast chasm of like, how would you, you know, how would you even put that information together? So we don't know until somebody calls us, but you know, we do, um, you know, the price should not go up as a result of uh, being with uh, accessible pharmacy, but also we will help uh, advocate um, for you in, in the event that, that your, your insurance is kind of being a jerk about this. Or also, I mean, you know, we do a lot of work with a uh, huge amount of work actually within the uh, diabetic community. And there are people who struggle to get, um, you know, the talking glucometers um, covered by insurance for whatever crazy reason, um, but that's something that we try to advocate on on behalf of our patients for that. Hey, look, we are offering a service that this individual patient could really benefit from and probably result in healthier outcomes, um, and you're giving us a hard time about this. Like, come on. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that we, we work hard on a, on a daily basis to do, to try and keep those prices, you know, reasonable and for insurance companies to cover, you know, what they should cover. And sidebar question, but I think important, what about those times when the insurance company is being a jerk, as you so aptly put it, about certain medications? Um, you know, they're not covered or they're only partially covered, et cetera, et cetera you guys advocate on behalf of those folks and those situations as well, right? Well, we certainly do our best, right? Uh, unfortunately, we don't have the final word. And sometimes no, of the course final not. word is unfortunately no. Um, but it doesn't mean that we don't try or don't stop, you know, we'll stop trying, but it's, we understand that there, there are cost considerations and, um, you know, uh, and what's what's manageable for people. So, so I'll give you another uh, example, Anthony, is that um, some people really have a pretty complex 
medication management regi regime. They're taking, you know, 30 pills a day, 40 pills a day. They have, you know, AM, lunchtime, PM, bedtime, all this, all this stuff. Uh, they need all sorts of uh, uh, sorting and, and organizing. Well, we really can only do that in 30 day supplies. You know, it's, it's would be, you know, an insane, uh, immensely huge package that like, it'd be overwhelming for somebody to receive a 90 day supply of, of those types of medications. And so, you know, when you get into those types of situations with uh, certain co-pays and insurance companies, that's, you know, that's where we really, we, we try to work with the insurance company and say, look, this is, this is really going to help this person. They need these uh, accessibility accommodations. And it's, you know, it's an impossibility to do this in a 90-day supply uh, and, and monitor the medications and monitor their outcomes and, 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 and their, the patient progress uh, efficiently as we're, you know, doing a 90-day supply. Um, so, I, I mean, again, it's, it's for each, each individual patient is just that. They are unique. They have their own uh, medication support systems, you know, maladies, comorbidities, uh, insurances. And so, you know, each, each um, individual patient presents, you know, uh, uh, unique opportunities for us to, to learn more, to advocate more, and, you know, it helps strengthen the argument of why accessible pharmacy services is necessary because we're doing things to help the community as opposed to just, you know, offering one solution that's not, you know, really going to get you all the way there. Absolutely. Let's transition a little bit. Let's pull Andy back in. Walk us through, you know, someone who is coming to accessible pharmacy for the first time. What, what is the experience like and how, um, how can we be best prepared for to make sure that we can maximize what we can uh, what, what, what we can receive from accessible pharmacy services. Oh, sure. Well, it, it more often than not starts on the telephone, the conversation. Um, unlike traditional relations with a, with a pharmacist, with a uh, physician where you go to your doctor and your doctor either gives you a prescription handwritten or they send it over to the pharmacy, um, we prefer to initiate that relationship because you know, we need to understand the patient's specific needs. And so when a patient calls us on the telephone, um, we try to get insight into that patient profile. So we'll ask the patient about their level of eyesight, uh, you know, it, who else is in the home with them? Who are the prescribers? Who, uh, do they read Braille? Do they still have some, can they read a large font still? Um, are they comfortable with technology? Do they have some existing technology or apps that they use? So for example, a lot of people use uh, Script Talk, which is a, a label reading application. And we, we work very closely with Script Talk. They're an incredible company. Um, we're actually starting to embrace, we're starting to work with new labeling companies in the beginning of the year, 2022. Um, there's a company called Way Around, which basically makes similar technology as, as Script Talk, but they target consumers so that people can label products at home uh, with these stickers and labeling applications. And so we're like, Hey, why don't we reach it the way around and let's start pre-labeling medication with their way tag labels. Um, we see the growth of OrCam. So we actually had a meeting last week with OrCam. We're gonna try to figure out how we can integrate our stuff into OrCam's technology. But all right, let me take a step back. So a patient calls us and we break down that patient information. 
Um, we then do a few things. And it takes us about a day or so. We reach out to the insurance company just to confirm that we're able to work with the patient. Um, we may reach out to uh, some of the prescribers. We have someone from our pharmacy team actually review all of the medication information. And quite often, you know, an individual may be getting prescribed medication from four or five different prescribers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so you know, maybe getting something from their ophthalmologist and their endocrinologist and their cardiologist and their general practitioner. And on top of that, they've decided on their own that they want to take vitamin C and uh, a, a, a baby yeah. aspirin in the morning, you know, and, and our pharmacists may look at this and say, you know what, there's some probably unintended side effects that this person doesn't even realize they're having because of that, you know, that, that collection of medications you know, we may reach back out to the patient and say, hey, are you feeling a great deal of fatigue? You know, because, you know, when you take vitamin X with vitamin Y and mix it with the vitamin C, it can cause exhaustion. Um, and by just tweaking it this way or that way with your physicians, um, we can eliminate that fatigue. And so that's what we do. So we, we review the medication, we review uh the insurance, and we call the patient back and say, listen, I th- we can work with you. Um, based upon what you spoke about, we can package it this way. We can label it this way. Um, your co-pays will not change at all. And we can start delivering your medication the next time you're due for your next batch. Um, so like I said, that, that usually starts on the phone, but uh, we are the uh, pharmacy partner of Be My Eyes. We're the first healthcare company to, to join Be My Eyes. Um, and they're slowly, you know, starting to reach out to others and bring others on board as well. It's, it's awesome. So that same conversation can occur on Be My Eyes. Um, we work with a, a small but growing collection of patients who have dual sensory loss, you know, deafblind individuals. And sometimes those conversations can occur um, through VRS, through text, through email. Um, and we're going to be, we're really excited. We're going to be working closely in 2022 with the Helen Keller National Center to really build out our ways to support and communicate with um, deafblind individuals. So basically all that happens, it starts with us. And then we initiate the conversation with the physicians to make sure that they know who we are, what we're doing with the patient. And if they have any questions, they can you know, interact with us um, all for the goal of, of, of trying to figure out how to best support the patient. Um, our packaging and labeling are free and uh, you know, we encourage our patients to try different combinations of packaging and labeling until they, you know, figure out, hey, this combination works for me. And, uh, and that's where we go. All right. We're going to take a break in a couple of moments um, and then answer some questions. But I'm going to throw the first question out myself. So suppose I were to, you know, call in and say, hey, you know, I need um, something that's really going to work for me. Um, we go through my list of medications and, and my providers, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, there's a wrinkle in it. I also am a caregiver to two children and I'm responsible mm. for their medications. I don't really want to have to break up my, you know, my family unit and, you know, rely on the big box store for them and this for me. So is there an option or possibly a potential future option for full family um, service through accessible I- pharmacy? A hundred percent. It's really interesting, you know, just going by statistics, we assumed, okay, 10% of our patients will be Braille readers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually close to 35% at this point. And we were like, huh, why is that? Is that because 
people who, who read Braille, you know, are learning about us and coming to us more than patients who don't read Braille. And when we dug a little bit deeper into it, it turns out that um, a lot of Braille readers basically get sort of what you alluded to, their children's medication and their spouses or their partner's medication also labeled in Braille. And that way, regardless of who opens the medicine cabinet, they can be aware of what's going on in the medicine cabinet and they know everyone's medication. And so uh, like the punchline of that is, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we work, you know, we sell our medication to anyone. Um, obviously we have a, a niche and a core competency of working with individuals who are blind or have low vision, but um, no, we, we, work with, we work with anyone, including children uh, of, of blind individuals or fully sighted households. And, all, and also, Anthony, all of them receive the same type of service. So we have, um, uh, you know, continual uh, refill, reorder management, um, where, you know, we handle the refills and the reordering. So we will, con you know, once the uh, prescription is, is run out, we'll first contact the uh, prescribing physician uh to to get you know a, a new new prescriptions or, or you know get it get the order refilled um so that there's no break in the continuity of you know the medication care and so yeah with with people who are who are families i mean my my whole family gets our medication through accessible pharmacy services my wife and and, and my two kids and i and we receive it all in the same package uh you know each month and like you know the last three or four days of the month is when we can expect to receive it. And it has everybody's, you know, package uh, labeled and, 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 you know, ready to go. And so we're, we're very happy to, to work uh, with, with, uh, with families. You know, I lied. I actually have another question before we go to break. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, conventions and, and leadership weeks and all the different ways that we all get together. Uh, this, you're right. This is definitely a conversation that comes up often. And I will, I'm crossing myself and knocking on wood as I say it. I have a relatively easy medication regimen, thankfully. Um, but I hear a lot that, especially with some of the big botch, um, you know, there are certain medications that are not as easily accessible or that they get calls a couple of times throughout the month and their delivery date that they're used to having on the 17th every month is gonna be delayed by a week because one medication is delayed, et cetera, et cetera. How often do you run into those kind of issues and what processes do you have in place to ensure that it's as smooth as possible for, for, your, for your clientele? Well, we headed off by being timely about it. I mean, that, that's a simple truth. I mean, that those types of things could happen. Um, you know, so we, we haven't really experienced any supply chain issues, if that might be what you're alluding to uh, in the pharmaceutical space. Um, but we, you know, we have programs, um, safety protocols and, and what have you in place that will alert our customer care representatives and our pharmacists is to when somebody's prescription would be running out well before they need it so that we can be ahead of that game so that we're not you know running around like chickens with our heads cut off and we're 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 prepared and we're ready to go and we can you know have some some foresight about potential issues that might might arise so um you know i, I think that's that's a key 
is uh, having uh, specially designed alert systems and being uh, ahead and being proactive in our active uh, refill and reorder management uh, so that there is no break in that continuity of care. Sure. And also to build upon that, also the, the you know, pre prescription management, you know, in the event that a, uh, a physician requires another appointment before renewing a prescription, um, the patient doesn't have to worry about that with like two days left of their current batch and have a fire drill trying to schedule an appointment. You know, we, we will know about that way in advance and, you know, try to facilitate that, that conversation between the physician and the patient to renew that prescription with plenty of time before it expires. And what about folks that do a lot of traveling um, and may need, you know, multiple uh, delivery uh, areas for their medications? Sure. Well, at least once a week, we get a phone call that sounds something like this. Um, I'm on vacation in Miami. I'm at the hotel for the next three days. It's a long weekend for a wedding. And I left my medication at home. How can you help me? And there are a few things that we could do. Um, we can overnight the medication to the hotel so the patient has it the next day. Um, in some cases, that's not acceptable because the patient is, is, is more dependent on their medication than you know, maybe skipping a day. Um, in that case, we will try to contact, on, you know, we, we assume the role of we are the pharmacist of this patient. And we will try to contact a local pharmacy near that hotel, um, knowing that we have all their records and insurance and everything, um, make the purchase on behalf of the patient and give the patient the opportunity to either have it pick it up at that pharmacy or have the pharmacy deliver it to the hotel so that patient can get the medication ASAP. Um, and like I said, we have calls like that at least once a week. Um, we're currently licensed in 31 states to be able to deliver prescription medication. Uh, we deliver medication in every state throughout the country. Um, that, that, that being like vitamin supplements, over-the-counter medication, diabetic supplies. When it comes to prescription medication, we're in 31 states. And our hope is that by the end of 2022, uh, we'll be national. Awesome. So Byron, we're going to take a quick break, listen to a promo or two, and then we'll come back with questions for Andy and Alex. The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. All right, you're listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony. I am here with Alex and Andy from Accessible Pharmacy, and we're going to open it up for questions. Byron, who do we have with our first hand? All right, let's take a look. It looks like Jane has a question. Jane, go ahead and unmute. Can you hear me now? Yep, we can. Okay. First of all, I thank you for your statement about selected dependents. That's great. 
I always say fierce independence is overrated. And, uh, <laughs> you know, interdependence is incredibly useful and helpful. I am uh, pleased by your overall taking on the whole pharmaceutical lineup of how to get things done efficiently. And I just, that, that's my comment. I don't have a question. Um, you're answering them every time I think of, ah, this is one I want to ask them. Then you answer it. So you're mind reading. So I'm just going to listen, but I really appreciate your comments. Thanks, Jane. Thank you. <laughs> All right, who's up next, Byron? <clears throat> okay, um, I see Zelda with their hand raised. Zelda, go ahead and unmute and ask your question. All right, I believe I can be heard. Yes, yep. she can. Welcome back All to right. Sunday Edition, Zelda. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it's good to be here. I'm really interested in the subject at hand today. And I was just wondering, and it, you know, I, I quickly pulled up your uh, website, I uh, was not able to see exactly um, if there is a list of the states that you, you cannot deliver to. Um, and it might be easier to give us the 19 that, that you're not yet enabled uh, <laughs> to do rather than the 31 that you can. Um, I'm from North Dakota, and I'm guessing we're probably one of the ones that you cannot deliver to. Uh, yeah, well, a few things. First of all, there, there is a page on our website Okay. Uh, it, it, there's a tab called service area. Um, you know, I was just, I, I'm actually looking at it right now because I, I know we're in one of the Dakotas. Um, and as it turns out, we are licensed in South Dakota, not right. North Dakota. Well, maybe we can advocate so that you uh, can can get your foot in the door in North Dakota also. Um, this sounds really wonderful. I, I tuned in a little late, so I'm anxious to listen to the podcast to hear the beginning of the presentation, but um, always interested in, in uh, ways of making things um, accessible for everyone. And thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. Interesting, you, said, you speak about advocate. Uh, for, I, I want to give a shout out to the Missouri Council of the Blind. Um, we were, we, there was one state where we got, actually got rejected. Um, and the, the rejection was based upon the letter they sent back to us. By the way, they cashed our application fee um, for a few hundred dollars. <laughs> but they sent back the rejection. And the rejection message was, we have in-state providers for the service that you are offering. So we wrote a subsequent letter back. And with, there was in much greater detail about the population that we serve and, and the, the nature of our business. And they emailed back a relatively terse response about like, nope, we, have, we consider this uh, case closed. You are free to apply again in 12 months. Um, and we have a relationship with some individuals who are at the MCB. And we, I called one of them up and I was like, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. We got rejected from Missouri. And he was like, that's not acceptable. We'll get back to you. <laughs> and the entire executive committee actually took it upon themselves to uh, identify the deficiencies at some of the existing state pharmacies that were referenced. Um, and long story short, within 24 hours, the state got back to us and approved us. Um, and so it was a perfect example of, you know, collaboration within the community, working with the community to advocate to the state. Uh, you know, to get services that, that benefit, you know, the blind and low vision community. Right. And, and we'd be happy to do that. I'm, I might reach out to uh, one or both of you and, and see what, what it is that we can do in that regard. I don't know if you've applied 
uh, to to serve people in North Dakota or not. But um, I'm, I'm not sure. But we'd love to connect offline and put our heads together. Okay, great. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, Zelda, before you run off, Alex, yes. Andy, Zelda is walking from North Dakota, well, virtually sort of, <laughs> to our convention in Omaha in July. And I just wanted to catch up since I have you here. How's it going? Well, I'm, I'm about halfway there. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, start over. Wait, explain this again. Well, I'm not literally walking. Um, what I'm doing is walking enough miles that um, it all adds up to the miles between my home here in North Dakota and Omaha, which is 453 miles. Wow. And I started after after convention this last um, July. And um, I will be doing some of that because of the inclement weather. Uh, right now, we're having gorgeous December weather here in North Dakota, but we cannot count on that continuing. Uh, when it gets to be 20 below zero and the wind is blowing, um, I'll be using my stationary bike. I will not be walking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just, just wanted to set a goal. It's all about goal setting and, and um, was inspired by the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Um, to do this. So oh, that's yeah. and I just want to remind yeah. folks out there that Zelda, myself, and a couple of us are already signed up to do so. But any of you that are taking the Zelda challenge and walking to Omaha, um, we'll be doing that last half a mile walk in Omaha together. So I'm really excited and looking forward to that. Really, really cool to hear you today, Zelda. I hope you connect with these guys and get um, accessible pharmacy in North Dakota. Looking forward to it. All right. <laughs> All right, Byron, who's up next? Wow, I almost feel like I should be playing I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. I, um, I was just trying to do some math and thinking about how how many miles is it from Philadelphia to Omaha and how does this uh, challenge, you know, change uh, based on uh, your geographic location? I well, I mean, for, for people that are in Kansas, they have a lot shorter walk than, you know, folks that are in, uh, let's say, Seattle or North Dakota or where I am in, in Miami. Um, <laughs> so I guess, you know, if, if you're a lot closer to Omaha, you can maybe triple or quadruple the miles to to make it a level playing field. But I, I think it's more just the idea, you know, the Get Up, Get Moving campaign is a three-year arc that the American Council of the Blind is working on, and it, and it encompasses so much. You were talking about diabetes earlier, and um, they're doing a lot in the diabetic space, advocacy-wise. But most importantly, just getting us up and getting us moving. Some of us throw out, you know, a dance tune every couple of days to the list to inspire each other just to dance around the kitchen or the living room. But um, I digress, and I know that we probably have some more questions waiting. Um, Byron, who's up? All right. Well, I don't see any other, any other hands. However, I have some questions that maybe you could answer. Um, the medications that I am on are important, but they don't necessarily give me immediate ramifications if I don't take them. Um, ever since I was 16, I have just always been god-awful at taking my medication. Um, I've tried setting alarms. I've tried setting reminders. I've, I, I got pill pack um, a couple years ago because I thought having perforated packs of, you know, pouches of pills would help. And it has a little, but you know, when you're, when you're taking, you know, Synthroid and, and blood pressure medication, uh, it's incredibly important that you take it, but like you don't wake up the next day feeling like crap if you don't. And 
so I've just struggled with this for so long. And I'm wondering if, if your organization, um, has any techniques or packaging, uh, you know, differences that would make it easier for me to get on the ball and take my medication more seriously. Uh, so a few things, first of all, um, we have the exact same machine as the pill pack. So, and I use it myself. I love it. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm very aware of your challenge. It's interesting. I have that challenge myself and my son's a freshman at college. So we had to set him up for this. Um, we're actually looking into trying to develop some technology, uh, an app or some solutions that can automatically remind people. Um, there are some apps out there that exist. Um, a lot of them are free for smartphones. Um, for my son, the way I set it up for him is uh, we, we set an alarm on his phone um, based upon his, 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 class, his courses when he has to leave for school. And every day, seven days a week, his alarm goes off and reminds him to take his medicine. Um, for me, I take it right before I go to bed every night. And what, the way, one of the things that I do to help remind myself is, I, and I use like the, uh, the pill packets myself. Um, I do it in the morning. I take, a, I take it, it's part of my daily morning routine, which is I brush my teeth, I take my shower, I put my clothes on, I get my other son up, I make him breakfast, and I put my medication out for the night. And what that does for me is it's almost like gives me like a check and balance. Because in the event that I forget to do it in the morning or I'm rushed and I just don't have time to do it, um, you know, then I obviously hope that my evening reminder goes into effect. But it's twice a day that I'm reminding myself to take my, my medication. Um, so sort of what, what you alluded to is like, that's it. Like you have to keep trying things until you figure it out. The fact that it's on your radar is, is awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll keep you updated as we develop some solutions, but I would argue just like keep trying different things. There are a bunch of really cool apps out there um, that may be helpful. Also, uh, our pharmacist might recommend some different mnemonics uh, to, to, to help you uh, how to really integrate it into part of your routine. Like before you do this, you have, you know, you have to do this. And, and, and I mean, they have all sorts of, of, of ideas to try and help people become more compliant patients. As Andy mentioned, I mean, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm very eager to try to uh, uh, help design would be, you know, a reminder system that would be interactive, you know, through the smartphone to remind you to take it. And then if you, uh, once you have taken your pill, um, or your pills, you would uh, respond to that text. And that would then be trackable. And we could, you know, track uh, the compliance levels, the actual compliance levels of uh, our patients, at least, you know, to the best of that application's ability, but also maybe at the, the end of a, a month of, you know, 100% compliance, you, you get some kind of uh, reward or a card or, or something, you know, something nice. Yeah, uh, a car? Some kind of, some card, like okay. an affirmation. <laughs> I was going to say that you partnered with Oprah uh, recently. <laughs> you know, maybe you get a car. Yeah, the grand prize at the end of the year is a self-driving uh, Tesla. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start taking my meds every day now. Um, exactly. Actually, you know, something that you, you just know. said was really helpful. Just set two reminders. Because what happens to me is I have a reminder every day at 5 p.m., but a lot of times I'm not home yet or I'm sitting at the at the computer editing a podcast. I'm like, 
uh, you know, a lady cancel, you know, stop, whatever. And I'll, uh, yeah, okay. I heard that alarm. I'll, I'll get to it. And then I forget. Um, so, you know, maybe two reminders would be helpful just, just so that I have that secondary, Hey, did you take your meds? Oh yeah, that's right. That's a good idea. Awesome. You know, it's interesting. I, I when I, when I leave my meds unit. out in the morning for, for, for the nighttime, I leave it next to my phone charger because I would never, I, I can't forget to plug my phone in at night. It's like, that's like hardwired in my body. And so inevitably, um, like that's my ultimate check and balance. So leaving it out in the morning, putting it next to my phone charger, and um, I'm, I'm pretty compliant. You know, somebody knowing Byron as well as I do, if somebody wrote a comedy song about making sure you take your medications, it would be stuck in a loop in his head and he'd never forget again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll reach out to Steve Martin and see if he's available. Yeah, there you go. Take, <laughs> take your meds every day and uh, at the end of the year, you get to meet Weird Al. Yeah, there you go. I love it. <laughs> I actually met Weird Al. FYI, I met Weird Al. Uh oh, this is going. This is going where? Come on, we got to hear the story now. (laughs) Byron is probably the world's biggest Weird Al fan, so we've got to hear it. Oh, I'll qualify that I was on an elevator with him once, so technically I did meet him, but it was pre-pandemic, so we both had our masks off, and uh, I got to enjoy a good twenty seconds on an elevator ride with Weird Al. That's so cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Let's do a quick hand check and see if anybody pops in with a question. All right. Let's see. I am not seeing any hands at the moment, um, but I will get, I will definitely alert you if anything pops up. All right. So in the meantime, um, you guys mentioned, you know, you've been friends for a long time. Can you give us a little, uh, a little peek into how you actually met and how the friendship developed a little bit? Sure. Oh, so we, we both live in the city. We have kids around the same age. Uh, the first time I met Alex was actually at Little League. Our kids play ball together. Nice. Um, and uh, I have to say, Alex's kids are elite athletes. Um, but uh, we ended up connecting because uh, when I was developing some, uh, you know, technology and solutions around accessibility, um, I wanted to build an advisory committee. And I remembered, um, oh, yeah, there was that guy from Little League. I think his kids go to Greenfield Middle School. Um, And uh, we were able to network through other parents whose kids went to Greenfield Middle School and get Alex's email. And we were like, hey, you wanna meet up for a cup of coffee? And and that was it. That's how we got connected personally. How long long did it take to, you know, bring this from the cool idea to actually, you know, taking your first calls? Well, that, that, that's a little, that's a little tougher because, uh, I mean, the re- the research really took a long time as it, as it should, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to rush those, those types of things and you want to make sure that you have a, a well-balanced approach. And I think it, it did take us, uh, quite a bit of, uh, research and dedication, uh, to find, to find Jason, to find that, you know, partner who really did pursue clinical excellence and who understood and was enthusiastic about the idea and what we were trying to do. So, I mean, the initial business development, um, you know, I I would say we were probably a year and a half to two years in the making before we were uh, ready to take our first phone call. Cool. How many states did you start off in? versus the 31 now 
I think we first got started out. Do you remember? I think it was maybe like four or five. I'm not really sure um, because uh, Jason had already been um, licensed in a few of the immediate states. And then we had sought licensure in 50 states, uh, all 50 states. There are ways to do that. And there are certain states that came on right away. And then every week or two, we would find out that, hey, we just got uh, approved in Hawaii. I'm like, I call that business trip, um, <laughs> you know, or, you know, different states around the, the country. Um, and uh, so, so it was just kind of happening uh, slowly where like every week or two, we would pick up another state and then we're like, hey, when is Texas going to come on? What's going on with California? And then, you know, we, we do a little bit more investigation into what is involved in some of the, you know, becoming licensed. And for example, California is, you know, California makes things, you know, hard to expand into California if you're not like working directly um, in California. For example, yeah. I think we, we would need to actually have a physical pharmacy in California to have a license in California, which, mm. you know, is something definitely to, to look at for the future. But that might be difficult right now to, 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 to make that happen. Or there are other places that want to make sure that you're uh, a legitimate place and they want you to send the blueprints of your business and all of your licenses for your, your pharmacist uh, so to make sure that you're not just, uh, you know, an Oxycontin factory. Um, and, you know, it's good that these safety protocols are in place and, and, to, and to make sure that businesses are, are legitimate. But it does, um, you know, some, some of the applications to apply for licenses are, are much thicker than others. Um, and, and it take, does take a lot of time and it takes, uh, uh, and, and each one is different and asking for different things. So uh, we are pursuing it. It's, it's, it's a little, you know, we, we're hopeful that, that maybe we would be in more states by now, but we are uh, working uh, diligently to, to expand. I want to segue a little bit. Um, first and foremost, I want to remind the listeners out there, um, especially those of you in podcast land, um, I can always forward any questions to any of our Sunday edition guests, Andy and Alex included. If you email the show at celebration, the word celebration with my initials, AC at AOL.com, that is the email for the show. I can always forward any questions and um, we get a good track record of folks that uh, through podcast land that, you know, may not have gotten their opportunity. So I'll be forwarding you guys some stuff along the way. We'll give out um, some contact information for accessible pharmacy towards the end of the show. Um, earlier, we were talking a little bit about um, and nothing about us, but, you know, nothing about us without us. And you had mentioned some uh, employment statistics that um, accessible pharmacy holds. So what are some employment opportunities within accessible pharmacy? So um, as we expand into different states, we would be looking for uh, business development specialists. Um, we do have uh, opportunities for customer care representatives, but those are those are, are localized positions to uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, and then our uh, internship programs are also 
you know, typically looking at the tri-state area, students in, uh, but, uh, well, actually, uh, our, our last interns were actually from, uh, from uh, Visions in New York, uh, I believe, right, Andy? Great yes, program. we're looking to expand yeah. the internship program next year, um, including, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're, we're going to be working with the Helen Keller National Center. Um, we'd love to have a deafblind uh, intern as well. Um, and at some point in 2022, we're looking to bring in, in a, within our care coordinator uh, team, um, someone who's a, an American Sign Language interpreter um, who can help us communicate more fluidly uh, with some of our patients who are deaf. Um, we currently use VRS, uh, Video Relay Services, which is basically an on-demand sign language interpreter system, but it'd be nice to have someone in-house who can really help us communicate more efficiently. Awesome. Byron's going to let us know if we have any questions along the way. Um, without using any, you know, any one specific name, can you tell us about uh, one or two interesting situations that, you know, medication-wise that you came up with some great solutions for? Oh, I could share one, totally. Um, <laughs> since you asked. Um, and yes, we're not going to share a name. Actually, we could be, if anyone wants to go to our website, there's actually a blog post about this woman um, because she agreed to let us share her name. And uh, you know, as we mentioned, you know, we, we're creating patient profiles about individuals who have unique challenges. And this is a patient profile that for us was, uh, was, was really like, was, was fascinating. Um, a woman contacted us, um, she is blind and she's losing her hearing. Um, she is legally deaf. Um, and she growing up was an athlete, uh, she's diabetic. But over time, uh, as her eyesight deteriorated, her ability to manage her glucose was uh, much more challenging for her. And she reached a point where she was not able to compete in athletics anymore um, because of her inability to manage her diabetes. And you know, just fast forward a little bit, we, uh, we worked with her over the course of a few months to try different kinds of solutions to figure out how she could get to a point where she could manage her diabetes better. Um, long story short, we, we, we nailed it. We, we ultimately and collectively, it was us and her daughter and her and her, her, her endocrinologist and multiple people from our pharmacy team were working on it. And ultimately we got to a point where she was able to manage her diabetes and she competed in the, this spring, summer, late spring, early summer. She competed in the senior Paralympic games in New Jersey and she won four medals. Um, nice. And so that was like, for us, it was like, it was like a celebration. It was like, it was as if like we helped Michael Jordan win the NBA championship. It was like such a, um, a collaborative, uh, exciting victory for all of us. Most importantly, obviously for her. Wow. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Um, Cause I think that that's a concern that, a, you know, a lot of folks out there have that, you know, their specific needs feel so very individual they feel so very you know i might be one of the only ones out there that have this specific specific set of needs and and i love the fact that there's there's that personal touch there's that person on the other end of the line that knows all that they need to know about you and your regimen and etc and when a challenge comes along i mean things change you know you go to the doctor and hey you got high blood pressure now you're gonna have to start this or hey, you know, this might be because you have this allergy and this will help you. I know I recently added fish oil to my mm -hmm. regimen and, and 
you know, it's not the blister pack, it's an extra bottle. Um, but at some point, you know, I'm going to work that into getting that in so that I don't have to go and open that extra bottle every day. Sure. Um, hey, we, we could put that in your blister pack for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk offline. Absolutely. Um, uh, but if anyone wants to read this woman's blog, our website's accessiblepharmacy.com. And I think it's the, the second most recent blog post. Alex, on the research side of things, what's exciting you in this space right now? What are some things that you're looking at for accessible pharmacy? Um, well, one of the, um, I mean, a lot of the research that I do academically is um, for, uh, you know, theoretical consumer behavior of how people react to different things. And, you know, uh, one of the more practical um, research things that we're working on right now, or that, that, I, that I'm working on um, in collaboration with uh, Accessible Pharmacy, but also with uh, so, some other uh, advocacy uh, organizations uh, that we're collaborating with, is that I'm looking for how to improve uh, job search and career opportunities in the retail marketplace for the blind and low vision. Um, so for example, I've been looking at, uh, I said a lot about accessible um, uh, websites, but uh, looking at you know those 150 different retailers, not just their home pages, but their corporate pages, um, their, uh, uh, and their career landing pages to see how accessible those are. And I, this has been an eight year study already that I've been doing. Uh, and we're you know, getting ready to, to wrap up the data and start writing the paper um, about you know, how accessible, because everybody knows when, you, when you're applying for a job um, or looking for work, you wanna learn about that company, what it's all about, um, you know, pay, benefits, you know, job descriptions, whatever that looks like, plus the actual application process. So we're really looking at the accessibility of that over time and how, uh, especially over COVID, uh, uh, the COVID era, now how, you know, what effect or hiccup or blip uh, would that cause? But also connecting that to DEI initiatives, uh, the diversity, equity, inclusion, mm -hmm. is, is that, well, hey, it's a wonderful catchphrase for uh, the past couple of years, right? And everybody is working very hard to make strategic plans. Strategic plans, strategic plans, D-I-D-I-D-I, right? There, is there any action to it, right? Um, are they actually putting their money where their mouth is or it just nice to say that you have a DEI policy? So we're actually looking into saying how many people who are, are blind and low vision, but also uh, from the, the overall general, uh, you know, people with, disabilities do these organizations hire and um you know and and it's it's uh doing this type of research is, is a lot of work but it, it's incredibly uh it's incredibly gratifying you think that it's going to help a lot of people and 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 create quite a bit of a uh, illumination um and maybe help bring that unemployment level down uh by making you know job searching uh, especially within the, the, the retail environment, at least, uh, more accessible and more inclusion. And again, making uh, these companies, you know, put their, put their money where their mouth is and, and, and actually hire people from our population. 
You know, I would love to. You may have already connected, but if not, I'd love to connect you with some of the folks from our employment task force. Um, I think you guys would have some great conversations. And every year at convention, they put on, you know, a lot of different programming to, you know, to combat that 70 to 73% number. Um, I'm going to sidebar into, into a different kind of story. Recently, I went into one of the national diagnostic uh, companies because I needed to to have some follow up testing based upon a doctor's appointment, and um, I'm I want to get everything done as early as possible with in the day. So I was there at six a.m. is when the doors opened, um, and I'm standing there waiting for someone to acknowledge me, and it felt like there was no one actually in the outer waiting room or right behind the desk, and all of a sudden the kiosk spoke to me. If you're blind or low vision, do a three finger swipe down so you can um, so you can register or, or um, you know put yourself in the queue for for your uh, testing. And I was like, oh, oh man, you know that, that's another conversation whenever we gather all of the unaccessible kiosks, wherever they be. And I'm thinking to myself, why isn't every single touch screen a three finger swipe down availability that it'll start talking to us? Why I isn't love, that universally that. out there? Oh, yeah, that, that is great. I, I could really use that at the Wawa here in uh, Philadelphia when I'm trying to order a sandwich. Uh -huh. too, let alone like, these, uh, I mean, these, these terminals, these self, um, self assessment, self diagnostic, or, or just, you know, whatever it is, like having those be more accessible. And, and I have to ask you, Anthony, didn't that make you feel good? Didn't that make it you kind of feel happy that you were wanted and welcomed? as a customer and, and you were like, hey, they they thought about what to do in case, you know, somebody who's blind came and, ne and needed this service. Didn't that just make you feel just a little bit more included, a little bit better? It did. I, I'll admit that that feeling probably lasted for about 45 minutes. And then I started thinking about ATMs and, you know, this big threat that's out there that someday we're going to end up at our local supermarkets or big box pharmacy chains or wherever it be. And there's not there's not going to be a live cashier anymore. The mm. idea that, you know, someday I'm going to walk into a store and there's not going to be somebody available to help me. Well, you know, yeah, the machines talk and it tells you, oh, my God. The, the put it in the bag, put it in the bag or that item wasn't scanned right. You know, you listen to it and you're like, oh my God, I can only imagine, you know, being the blind guy trying to ring my order up and trying to figure out what is it that is not being weighed right? What didn't I scan? I heard a beep, what, you know, which item is it? It scares the heck out of me. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, with a three finger swipe down at my local diagnostic center, why isn't that everywhere else? Why, why isn't it just built in automatically? Wow, that's a that's a really interesting question. Now I, now I can tell you one thing that we try to do at our university um, is uh, we take um, accessibility very seriously. Um, and I, I might as well say it. Hey, I'm 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 a, I'm a proud professor at the uh, Westchester University of, of Pennsylvania, and we add disability and accessibility to um, our our various curricula. Uh, whether it's in, in uh, the different business disciplines or management information software or digital technologies and, and, and programming. Um, and I think that's how you make it happen, right? If you make accessibility and inclusion part of the educational process where when people are learning about this, 
before they get, you know, before the apple falls off the tree. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that's our best bet. If not, you're always going to be retrofitting. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to remind folks that are listening through the podcast version of Sunday Edition, if you have any questions for any Sunday Edition guests, but for Alex and Andy specifically, please email celebration, AC, the word celebration with my initials, at AOL.com. Um, Andy, Alex, how can they reach out to Accessible Pharmacy? And are there any emails that will come to you guys directly if we have some questions or some follow-up? And what number can they call if they want to see if Accessible Pharmacy service would work for their individual needs? Oh, thanks, Anthony. Um, so our website is AccessiblePharmacy.com. Um, it's a screen reader-friendly website. We're actually making some new adjustments to it as well to expand it, make it more robust. Um, you can contact us on the telephone. As I mentioned, that's the easiest way to get started with us. It's uh, 215-799-9900. That's 215-799-9900. Uh, if you have a smartphone uh, and you use Siri, just say, Siri, call Accessible Pharmacy. And depending on your settings, it'll either put you right through or I'm going to give you a Siri invitation. Siri will say, do you mean accessible pharmacy in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania? That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And you can kind of us through Be My Eyes. We love Be My Eyes. We're also oh. partners with the American Council of the Blind and loving that they're doing so much specific, you know, target gearing for mm -hmm. individual call-ins. Um, so, so glad to see that you're on the platform as well. Um, and if they're interested, if there happen to be in the uh, tri-state area, if they're interested in employment opportunities, is there a um, tab on the website for that as well? Yeah, I, I think right now we just have a, we're asking for resumes for internships, but um, the, 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 the catch-all email, if, if, if anyone emails info at accessiblepharmacy.com, um, it goes to the pharmacy, but I also get a CC copy of it as well. So if anyone has any subsequent questions that they want to ask, uh, about employment or about anything else we do or about collaboration. We always uh, enjoy speaking with local groups as well. Um, please feel free to reach out to us slash me at info at accessiblepharmacy.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on to Sunday Edition, for bringing the education in a fun way. Um, I think we had a really great time today. I look forward to speaking with you guys again in the future when you've hit that milestone of all 50 states. Please come back to Sunday edition and we'll celebrate. Oh, um, Anthony, we're coming down for spring break. We're staying with you in Florida. Awesome. Uh, party, party, party in Miami. Right. And why don't you try to meet us in Omaha in July for our national convention, our first in-person convention after two years of pandemic. That would be pretty. That would be pretty awesome too. I want to remind folks out there that Sunday edition will be a repeat next week and um, the first uh, Sunday in January, and on the twenty sixth, a special community celebration with Melissa Hudson and some of the hosts and facilitators of our wonderful community calls. Byron, any last words for this uh, this holiday Sunday? Um, nope. Other than uh, thanks for listening and goodbye, 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 goodbye. Whatever holiday you celebrate, I hope it is happy, merry, bright, and full of love and life. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a few weeks. All right. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to 
Sunday edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.